Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, and our reading for today is from Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 1 through 9. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In today's message, we look to the words of the prophet Isaiah. When reading Isaiah in this Lenten season, I reflected on the way that we often try to attribute our own way of thinking to the way that God acts and thinks. One of the things that we get from Isaiah is the way that God is so far beyond what we can imagine that God's way of thinking is not our way of thinking at all. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And the reason this matters is because sometimes we expect God to follow our train of thought and to do things the way that we would do them. That from our limited perspective, we expect God to act like us. And the reason this can become such a pitfall for us is that it causes trouble when we enter into difficult times. When things get rough, we can get frustrated with not understanding what God's thoughts are. We begin to look for a purpose based on our thoughts and looking for reasons for what happened based on our reasoning. If we can't imagine why God wouldn't want to do what we want God to do, then it must be that God isn't doing anything. We fall into this trap of thinking that we can fully understand God. This becomes even more troubling because of the fact that it causes us to begin to overlook all of the goodness that God brings as well. Isaiah opens with this idea that God is telling the people he will always be with them, that he will bring good things into their lives, that his steadfast love is always there. God will lead people into things they never anticipated 
and couldn't imagine. That we may not understand, but God will make things happen, and God will be with us, and God will help us. That we should seek God while God is near. That we should return to the Lord because the Lord's mercy is abundant. That God's pardon is there for us at all times. Now, part of that is giving up on our own ways and our own thoughts. The ways that we trick ourselves into knowing that we are right. The idea of knowing that we are right is what can cause us to lose faith in difficult times. That self-assuredness that we have more faith in ourselves than we do in God. Because the truth of the matter is that we often don't know what the best thing to happen would be. Not at all. We only see what the best thing we can see is. The difference here is that we may only be viewing one moment in time out of all eternity. Our understanding may only let us grasp such a small part of the picture. The point of view that we have at that exact moment. And though we are reluctant to admit it, a lot of times our wants can seem rather selfish. Because it's often not for our needs that we are desperately seeking something from God, but out of our desires. Another problem that comes in is that we begin to place our wants higher than God's needs. How often when we are praying, and we're praying for something that we really want, how often are our prayers simply become, God, let this happen because I really want it? We may change the wording around, but how often do we stop to consider if this is the best thing for everyone? Or if it's just what we want. Is this the best for God's plans? For God's purpose? Is this fruitful for the kingdom? Is this the best thing that should happen? Is this even the best thing for us? Do we even know what we're praying for? is actually what we need. And that can be really difficult to think about because we often get so caught up in ourselves that it's hard for us to see beyond the moment. And for me, this is one of the reasons that centering ourselves in prayer is important. It comes back to the idea we've talked about previously, that when we pray, we have to remember that our prayers need to be that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not that our wants triumph over everything else. Not that we trick ourselves into thinking that if we want something so much that we think it's a need that God must abide by our thoughts. 
But another pitfall that we come into with this is sometimes we convince ourselves so deeply that we are right that not even God can change our minds. And this type of thinking is what's caused people to interpret Scripture in very particular ways at different points in time. Because they want to frame God as always being on their side. And a great example of this has us reaching back in American history a little bit. If we go back to the great debate over slavery, I turn to this just because of the fact that it's an obvious example. Part of the debate was that some would justify slavery by saying that the Bible says it's okay. Those who wanted to defend slavery interpreted the story of Noah and his sons with one of them being disinherited to serve the others as a story about the destiny of a people marked for slavery. And that those were the people in slavery now. So by scripture... It was justified, if not required. So it's all okay because it's what God wanted. Now, you might be sitting there and wondering exactly what the story is. Uh, If you read what happens after the flood with Noah's sons, Uh, you'll understand. But you might also be thinking that it took a little bit of twisted logic to make all of that make sense. And you'd be right. Their thoughts guided what they wanted God to say. But the problem we have now is that that type of thinking often happens in other ways. People interpret scripture. Sometimes we read certain parts of the Bible and we read them a particular way because it lines up with what we already believe. Even if it doesn't match up with the rest of the Bible. Even if we have to isolate that scripture and hold it all by itself, we interpret it one way while interpreting everything else a different way because we want to hold on to our thinking. Our thoughts end up guiding how we view God. The problem here is that we are assuming that God's thoughts are our thoughts. We're assuming that we can interpret correctly once and never have to look at it again. Because surely if God said it, that's the final word. The problem, though, is that it's not often that God actually said exactly what we're wanting God to have said in the way that we wanted God to say it. It's that we interpret what God said to fit our situation. We expect God's thoughts to be our thoughts and his ways to be our ways. 
And sometimes this causes us to fall down into a hole where we're constantly trying to defend a certain line of thought because it helps us to keep doing what we're doing and not have to think about why. Not because we see it as holy, not because we see it as right, not because we see it as just, but because we found an excuse to not have to think about change. Sometimes things fall in a completely different pattern when we try to line up our thoughts with God's thoughts. Sometimes if we can't make sense of something, then we write it off completely and say, nobody knows, so it doesn't matter. And we don't revisit those thoughts, wondering if maybe God has shown us something new. And that idea really struck me when thinking about God's ways and our ways being different. God reaches out to us in so many ways and calls to us in so many different ways. And God speaks to each of us differently at different times of our lives because God can always find a way to reach into our lives to show his grace and mercy and love. Christ will always be there to step into our lives to show his goodness. But it may not always look the same. Just as we are taught the Bible differently when we are little children compared to how we understand it when we are grown adults, compared to how we understand it after we have lived a life full of surprises, joys, and difficulties. Christ knows our lives and knows how to speak to us so that we can hear. But we have to be willing to hear what Christ says. I say this all not because I want you to give up on having solid beliefs. It's not that at all. I say it because I want you to be able to look at those beliefs and know that they are founded in the love of God. I want you to be able to look at those beliefs and know that they come from living a life in Christ. from knowing that the Holy Spirit inspires you to greater things because of faith through those beliefs. Because that is the life of a Christian. But if we become so set in our ways that we expect God to think like we do, we close ourselves off to those things. And the problem here is that when we enter difficult times, we become so set in what we know that we become unable to see the new opportunities and the new things God is trying to tell us. We become so hardened of heart, set in our ways that we refuse to see God's mercy and love in action in our lives. Because it's not that God is changing. It's not that God is suddenly shifting It's that we are always shifting with every day bringing us new experience. Every day bringing us new knowledge. And God can use all of those things to reach us and teach us deeper truths. To give us more abundant joy and to help us cope with deeper loss. 
But if we become so set in our thoughts and our ways that we don't allow God to show us anything new, then we become stuck always looking behind to see where we expect God to be, never looking around to see where God is. So I guess through all that, my point for today is this. Don't get caught up in thinking that you know best and that you know it all. That you can define all of who God is. Because no matter how we define God, God will always be more. No matter what we expect of God, God will always be more. When we expect that God's love has reached its limit, we are just beginning to see the depths of God's love. When we are beginning to feel that Christ is not with us, we need to look around and see where Christ is because he's still there in our lives. Just maybe not where we thought he would be. That instead of calling the Holy Spirit to meet us where we wanted him to be, that we see where the Holy Spirit is calling us to go. So that we may always follow God and not try to lead God. So that we may find that abundance of mercy and that unending love so that we may live a life in Christ and live life abundantly. Knowing that where God is, there is always something more. Amen.